Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifer, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. What I want to do today for you, whilst you're listening, is talk all about body image. It's a topic that comes up time and time again because everyone is insecure of their bodies, uh, especially in the past three weeks. I've not stopped eating. I can't tell you how much I've eaten. I know that I've put on five pounds in three weeks, which is more than I ever put on when I'm on holiday. I feel like I keep going nostalgic. I keep having like angel delight and a baguette of cheese like I had to have when I was a child just because. So I want to look at body image today. And I recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ago and it's with Lottie Drynan. And Lottie started an Instagram channel called The Tummy Diaries, an amazing, amazing, amazing page to help people who are suffering with IBS and just to look at gut health because we always look at the body in different ways and it's important to know that you can't always control those ways that your body is perceived so i wanted to talk to lottie all about ibs and i started by asking her just to take me back to when she had that original diagnosis I probably found out I had IBS. The term was thrown around very loosely for a couple of years, but it was probably only about three, four years ago that I actually got properly diagnosed with it. There's no official, well, official test for IBS. It's more of a case of ruling things out like celiac disease, Crohn's disease, and also fitting into a certain sort of bracket of do you have abdominal pain and certain things like that. When I first heard about IBS, I thought, okay, that's quite embarrassing. Like, I didn't really know what it was. I just assumed, right, it's to do with toilet issues and that's not glam, that's that's not what I want. And I got given very little direction of what to do with this term, what to do with this illness. And it was just a case of, right, we think you've got IBS as it's nothing else. There's something called a low FODMAP diet and we suggest you look that up. And it was written on a scrawly bit of paper with um, someone's blog on there. And that was it. And I sort of sent along my merry little way to find out what this was and what what I do with it next. Since it must have been sort of late teens, 20s, I'd always up until then been able to eat whatever I wanted. I mean, I worked at Pizza Express and TGI, so I would happily be able to go through a timeshare on my own. And but I did eat genuinely fairly healthy, like a, a balanced diet. But I suddenly started to find that I was feeling really unwell all the time I was really bloated to the point of sort of it felt like I'd swallowed a watermelon like extreme 
extreme bloat, rock hard and also really painful. I then started to get more worried about food and I think this is where it then the, my relationship became bad with food because I didn't where I wasn't given that guidance I had no idea what I was doing so I was getting fearful around food I then felt like everything was going to trigger me um, because I know I had no idea what was triggering me I started to feel sick I actually ended up having an eating disorder which I think stemmed from that but the main symptoms of IBS was more the bloating and the pain that came with it. It's very interesting you said you had an eating disorder because I could imagine that you go through this process where you're isolating so many food groups that you're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm fed up of being bloated. What's the point? I'm just not going to get better, so I may as well just starve myself and hope that I fix myself like that naturally. Yeah, I think that can be the massive danger for it. When we're told, so all I was told was about this low FODMAP diet, um, it's a very complicated diet. It can help, I think it's up to 70% of people suffering with IBS. It can help relieve it, but... It's not just about diet. So being told that food becoming sort of the main focus of your life, especially as already a young woman or many other women being very conscious of my body already, I think then having food being the focus became sort of self-destructing with no help. I was just, yeah, became fearful. I got in a bad way and thought, I just need to get it out. It needs to come out and yeah unfortunately developed an eating disorder and sort of disordered way of thinking as well around that food so what happened to the control that you had because you were out of control but you were still trying to gain control just before i started the tummy diaries actually so it must have been about three years ago i thought right this is i can't continue going this way i'm totally out of control i have no idea what's going on in my body i'm gonna i'm making myself very ill this could be potentially or potentially life-threatening um and i need to start understanding exactly what's going on so that's why i then thought right i need to take this seriously i started doing research into what ibs was even three four years ago there wasn't as much information as there is out now but i managed to find some fantastic blogs and i thought i'm going to start my instagram and i'm going to start looking at the low fodmap diet i'm going to follow it down to there's quite a strict way of doing it um unfortunately i didn't have the help of a dietitian when i did that which is sort of my one of my biggest regrets but i managed to follow that and sort of gain a bit of control back by one understanding my personal triggers but also understanding that it wasn't just down to food diet is just a little part of or a big part of ibs and gut health but there's loads of other factors that can influence um your gut health and overall well-being as well sleep is a massive one stress level so stress for me and a lot of people is one of the biggest triggers for ibs so and it works in a vicious vicious cycle so your gut and your brain they're connected um, and they communicate with each other if you have ibs the communication isn't quite as strong um so i kind of think of them as you want them to be best friends but if you've got ibs they're kind of having a bit of a row and they end up in a cycle so if you're bloated can stress you out if you're stressed that can then bloat you so i've been trying to work really hard on probably for the past couple of years on trying to reduce my stress levels um and has probably been the biggest change more so than my diet i said at the top that it leads to a lot of body insecurities because girls predominantly who have ibs cared about the way they look so for you what was it like having that bloated feeling were you having to change the types of clothes you're wearing did it make you feel insecure did people stop you in the street and say oh congratulations you're pregnant what was it like for you yeah um it's very difficult i think obviously body image for anyone can be a big um struggle but 
for me, I found that IBS made it harder because it wasn't just accepting how your body looks day to day. It was the fact that it was always changing. Um, so one day I could get to grips and think, OK, I, I've learned to love myself or at least accept my body of how it looks. But then the next day it's so bloated and I'm sort of I find myself unrecognisable in the mirror. And that was really difficult and something that I'm, I'm still working on, but was the, probably the hardest part of IBS. But I think like you mentioned clothing. So I've got my hashtag bloated wardrobe on Instagram. And that has been one of the biggest changes for me um, in my confidence. So rather than trying to dress in the clothes that my friends would be dressing like tight high-waisted jeans and bodycon dresses that would just make me feel rubbish and end up sort of leaving a club in the middle of the night because I felt so self-conscious. I now uh, specifically choose clothes that I feel confident in, usually elasticated waistband, which is amazing. And I know that if I am feeling bloated, then I'm still going to feel good, feel comfortable and still feel amazing and it's not going to make a difference. So that has really, really helped me. I think as long as I feel comfortable, so it's not a case of hiding the bloat. And I think that's one thing that some people might think trying to do, but it's not hiding. It's just finding something that you still feel comfortable in. So whether that's a high-waisted bikini with lots of stretch or a low-waisted bikini, it's whatever you feel more confident in. And I think it is working on the inside of things as well. It's not just how you look. You need to be working on how you feel about yourself. And there's loads of different things that I do to try and sort of talk to myself and be kinder to myself and recognize that if I am having a blow today that is just part of it and it will pass it's not going to stay forever nobody is looking at my blow although you did mention about thinking you're pregnant I have been offered um, a seat on the tube before because they thought I was pregnant most people are not going to be noticing your bloat so I think it's about being kind to yourself being patient with yourself and understanding that it will pass and I think there is definitely still a big taboo around IBS but I have seen well personally I feel that has been broken down a lot even in the past couple of years I think in general people are getting a lot more comfortable talking about things even if you look at mental health the fact that we're having this conversation here and your podcast is all around mental health which is amazing and people are just getting a bit more comfortable with that I think IBS is just like any illness you should be able to talk about it it is I understand that it's embarrassing and a lot of people have as well as the bloating a lot of people can have diarrhea um like fluctuants things like that and that's not something that you want to say on the first date or to your boss probably at first but it is it is something that needs to be discussed and I think the more we can be open about it and understanding to each other the better and we were just chatting beforehand like as soon as you say you've got IBS or you struggle with your gut health um or any chronic illness you do find that someone goes oh actually me too or oh yeah my my husband suffers with that or my friend suffers with that I think the stat is now I think it's one in four now it used to be one in ten but I'm pretty sure it's down up to one in four so so many people have it that I think once you open up and get a bit more comfortable the conversation really does start and you don't realize how many people have it I guess I was a bit luckier that I started my Instagram um, and people sort of slowly found out and that so I was able to do it and talk around it sort of quite slowly and say I'm trying to spread awareness I think You've got to be comfortable. I'm not saying you need to go tell someone straight away, but I think you could start with, if I was out with work, uh, people from work at a restaurant, for example, that's sort of a place that it would come up because I am avoiding certain foods. So personally, I'm triggered by garlic, onion and gluten. And a lot of people go, oh, why can't you eat that? Are you just fussy? That's the way that I would then usually bring it into conversation and say, actually, they're triggers for me. I suffer with IBS and they just make me really bloated. And you don't need to go into all the gory details if you don't feel confident. But I'd say that's quite a good way of getting it into the conversation or even just talking about bloating, even if people don't have 
IBS, a lot of people do still suffer with a bit of bloating, so can relate in that way. And I think you can just slowly start that conversation and see how comfortable you are. Although there's not a test as such, like a blood test or something that will show up that you have got it, there is a certain criteria that you need to fit into. So over the past six months, X amount of times a week that you feel um, abdominal pain, it has to be relieved by going to the toilet. That has to fall into that bracket. And there's certain other things. So there is a measure to say whether it is IBS or just bloating. If you eat a lot, then of course, most people are going to get bloated from that, from overeating. And that's totally different. I haven't found that a lot of people just say it for no reason I think probably because it's not a very glamorous thing it is just so important to get that diagnosis because if people are just looking on Instagram and thinking oh my favorite celebrity she's got IBS and then they're seeing that they follow the low FODMAP diet and cutting things out that's where it can then get really dangerous um, just to be cutting things out for no reason because that's only going to make your gut worse you need to be given it as much of a diverse diet as possible so I think it's really important to get a diagnosis and you need to be going to see your GP to understand and make sure it's nothing else so in your diet you've said garlic onion and gluten are your big triggers what have you done to compensate for that so is there a different type of food that you can have that still gives you that enjoyment of having a garlic bread or having a piece of bread or pasta that you found works for you as you go you learn um some good alternatives so the way the low FODMAP diet is, works, you have to cut everything out that's low FODMAP for, I think it's four to eight weeks, and then you start to reintroduce different food groups, and then you understand your personal triggers. So it's not completely restricting everything forever, but it's really important that you reintroduce. And for me, um, when I figured out that garlic and onion were one of my big triggers, I was like, gosh, how do I actually eat? I used to put like a whole thing of garlic in my swag bowl, just be garlic bread obsessed. And I was like, what do I eat? But there are some really good alternatives out there. If you're cooking from home, it makes you be more creative in the kitchen. So I've always loved to cook. My dad's a chef. I cook everything from scratch, which sort of put me in a good position rather than if I was living on ready meals, that's when it's then going to be more difficult because pretty much every convenience food has it in but things like chives um you can have garlic infused olive oil as long as it hasn't got the bits in that's okay you find out different workarounds there's i can never pronounce it ace of feeder is a certain spice um i think it's an asian spice and that tastes a bit like onion and it's just about being more creative um when you're in a kitchen and if you're then out to eat that's obviously comes with its own difficulties but it's just about finding out what can work well for you and being able to try and be as as flexible as possible but also being really careful that you're not going to be triggered. You started three years ago with Tummy Diaries on Instagram what were you trying to achieve and what was it like that first time where you did your first post and you went in the words from the greatest showman this is me. (laughs) Yeah um when I first started I think I was just to be honest trying to get some comfort in it I felt very alone and isolated in it like you say it's difficult to talk about and at that point I hadn't spoken to anyone in much detail about it so I was trying to find some comfort and also provide other people with comfort I think one of the things that I love about it is about the Tummy Diaries and other people's Instagram in that community is the community side of things people were all supportive of each other and that's what I really wanted to create I never realized it would come like this big which is amazing um but yeah, I just wanted to sort of to provide um, some support and also to show that it's not just the physical side of things. So IBS isn't just about the bloating, isn't just about the food. It's also the psychological side of having that and sort of getting people to open up and know that they're not alone. I love what you do. I think you're amazing for what you do. The only problem I've got with you is that there's no book. I feel like you need to make the IBS Bible. You know, the Mrs. Hinch of cleaning 
but for IBS, can you please get a journal and share these tips with everyone? Because I think you're going to benefit so many people. It's actually the first time I've announced it, but I am currently working on a journal. Um, it's been something I've been working on for probably about six months. I've wanted to do it for a couple of years. So when you are first diagnosed with IBS um, or sort of if you're just struggling with gut health issues, a lot of people are told to keep a food diary or a food journal and take note of everything they are eating and everything that you are, all sort of your symptoms. And the thing that I have with that is that's great. But like I said earlier, diet is just one part of it. And you need to be looking at your sleep, your exercise and your stress levels and sort of mental well-being and be tracking that and really getting a sort of 360 degree picture of of your lifestyle. Because, yeah, you might have eaten a bit of garlic that day that and got really bloated. It could have been the garlic or it could have been the fact that you had a falling out of your boyfriend that day or the fact that you only had three hours of sleep. So putting it all down to food can actually be a problem and make it like create a poor relationship with your food. So yeah, I am working on a journal. I'm hoping it's going to be out in the next couple of months. It's taken a lot longer that I than I thought, but I've I'm trying really hard. I'm also getting the help of some experts. So I wanted this to sort of be accredited by gut health experts and dietitians. So I know that it is as informative and as helpful for people as possible. So they can really sort of understand what exactly is going on in their bodies and minds and what could be triggering their symptoms. When you're looking at chapter by chapter, how have you structured it? And what do you want people to take away? So you've said that it'll be advice for sleep, it'll be ideas for food, et cetera, et cetera. What do you actually want people to do? And can people read it who don't have IBS but almost want a healthier outlook enough? Because I can imagine there's a bit of crossover of actually having a healthier mindset, as you spoke about, with things like mental health and stress levels. Yeah, I think definitely. I think you definitely don't have to have IBS if you're if you're having any sort of um, worries with your mental health or gut health, then it's absolutely for anyone. I think the idea is is to get people not focusing purely on food because that just take over your life. So I'm trying to share the gut brain axis and the connection between your gut and your brain, and just for anyone just. To just to see their lifestyle as a whole. So the way it's structured is at the beginning, um, it's talking about the different things that can impact your gut health and mental health. Like I said, the sleep, exercise, diet, things like that. Also, if you're taking any vitamins, medication, it can even be your period and your cycle, things like that. And then the core part of it is actually a journal. So there's then three months worth of daily journaling. So you can write everything that you've done that day so you can really keep track of everything that could be affecting influencing your health and then at the back there's in a big pack of resources so there's everything from tips on mindfulness and how to meditate there are stats in there which is just designed to help people feel less alone there's things about specifically about the gut brain axis and how that works so you can really start to feel form more understanding so i think the more we can understand our gut and our brain the more we can help manage it That was Lottie. Amazing. Absolutely amazing girl. And amazing when people come forward. I, and I never, I never could stop this. When people come up and come forward and say, look, I want to come on your podcast. I want to talk about something that means so much to me. And a lot of people ignore it. They go, oh, well, yeah, another person who's got IBS. But look how much in this episode you've learned from Lottie. The fact that there are alternatives, that life isn't over just because you can't have garlic or onion. Garlic-infused oil is okay to have for Lottie. The fact that there is a way to look good still. So those high elastic bands 
on your trousers can still make you feel good. It doesn't mean you have to still wear a tight dress. So if you want to get in contact with Lottie, at the Tummy Dives on Instagram is where you can check out. I'm at Johnny Seafoot on Instagram. And guess what? It's been hosted by me, Johnny Seafoot. You've been listening to Secure the Insecure. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 